1: Go to bluenile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's bluenile.com. Bluenile.com. So what's been going on? <laughs> Start from the beginning. Brian Kenny got into a spot of bother while he was hoping to be on his way out of prison.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, I think um, his mask fell.
1: Yeah.
2: Finally. He proved me right. Mm. He proved me right in everything I said to the parole board and everything I've said to the state regarding his behaviour and the things he's done and continues to do. He was caught with drugs in prison, in an open prison. That he was getting out on day release, overnight like, going to see his wife, going to see his family. Like I cried when the phone rang that day, when the person rang to tell me like he, he he's going back and he's going back to Wefield and it was yeah, it was You're very uh, relieved, relieved and emotional, and just being just ringing my man, ringing them, ringing the family, and just saying, listen, it's okay, it's not okay forever, but it's mm. okay for now. And I remember that moment talking to my mom, talking to the girls, because I worry about them. And it hasn't just affected me; this it also affected Jonathan, the family, his mom, his dad, his brothers, his sisters, and all mine. Mm-hmm. Like have The murder of Jonathan O'Reilly from, by Brian Kenny and Thomas it has such has had such a ripple effect on so many people's lives. Nineteen years, and the threat level is just going to get. Scared. Mm. I am scared. Because on the left, I, I, I try and always say, like, I'm one part of me, I'm trying to just live my life, get on with things, like, be happy. But then I, I just constantly, it, it's never going to go away. Like
1: This is The Witness, in his own words. Episode 11 the parole board. So what's happened since you got the phone call that he was going back to Wheatfield and not that long afterwards you heard he's going for parole again.
2: Yeah, he was literally only in and then he, he was back in, He was, I'd say a month or two and he applied for parole. And when I asked what parole meant, they're looking to literally go in and sit down in front of these parole people and be told the doors open off you just go mm-hmm. so you have to go in and appeal to them not to let them yeah I help. have to go in and I have to go and sit in front of these people I'll have to do it for Brian Kenny I sit in front of the pro board and do everything in my power to convince them mm-hmm. to keep him locked up and what happened today? today Dolores and her husband Dolores Royally Jonathan's mother got to go in front of the pro board and very emotional for her which is obviously understandable. I spoke to her today briefly, and um, as usual, as soon as she hears any time I ring, she was through the roof. She was excited, to be fair, delighted to hear from me. But then, as we spoke more about what happened, she was explaining, like I heard it in her voice. Feel for her. Like mm. at the end of the day, like she lost her son. Like it's all. It's, it was hard. Like mm. and she didn't. You have to remember. Like that woman was sitting in traffic in a car, thinking, what's what's the up and the whole about her son was just had to be murdered by Brian Kenny and Thomas Henson. That's why Clover her Prison. That's why she was stuck in traffic.
1: So did you tell her that you are going to go to the parole board? She knows I'm going to the parole board. The parole board have been in touch. And it must be a comfort to her that you have continued over all those years to be a supporter and to be always there and to, you know... I mean, OK, you've your own reasons as well for not wanting them out. You're afraid of them too, but you're still
2: supportive of her. I do it because... It's the right thing to do, and I just hope it was the other way around. If I was in Jonathan's place, someone would do for my ma. Mm. And I know, the, I know the comfort she gets from the the little relationship we have, from the phone calls, from when we do get to see each other. And I just, she knows, and I'll always be there for her. I'll always do anything I can, anything I can do to help that family. I will do, mm. because nobody deserves what happened. Nobody deserves to die. In that way, and nobody deserves to die in any way. But all I can do is do what, do what I can keep doing. And I'm, I have my own stuff going on in my life. I'm trying to live a normal life, as I said. But I am not going to stop until it's over. Mm. Life should mean life. Tell mm. I me mean, they took a life, do life. Think they're gangsters? They go on. They're going around like they're gangsters, smould, smuggling drugs, doing all this. They they, they, they chose this life. To, I didn't choose to be abused. I didn't choose for Kenny to do the thing they done to me. I handle. I got a job in a milk round. Mm. They went out one day and decided they want to sell heroin. I didn't. I was selling milk. So stay where you are. I'm tired, but I just I haven't got that thing in me to give up. Mm. I will not give up, I just want to stay alive and I just want to be okay, and I just want peace. (laughs) Evil, evil men, Mm. they need to stay where they are, but I need to get this floorboard out of the way and I need to do everything I can to convince them. And it's not like going and putting on a performance, because you don't need to perform, you just need to be honest and tell the truth. Mm. And I've done all right so far. By being honest and telling the truth. Yes, i said that before, I've been, I've ended up in this situation by telling the truth. But do I have regrets? No, I don't have time for regrets. You can accept the decision I've made and move on and just deal with each day as it comes. There's no point in me sitting at home crying into my pillow. Sometimes, yeah, like some days it's so hard just to get out of bed. Like I'm lying there and I'm like, I just don't want to do it today. But you have to. Get up, get in the shower, get dressed and get the fuck out and get on with it.
1: Is Mary gone?
2: My ma'll be there as always. Uh, my ma'll always be there to have me back and my ma'll come and... Yeah. She'll do her own letter and she'll have her say. Because uh, she'll have to have a say. She's my rock. My just sent me a message, don't forget to pray, please. Bless <laughs> her. My belief, prayers answers everything. It's, it's nearly quarter past nine. And um, obviously we can't tell people where we are. <laughs> but we're getting ready and we're going to go into the pro board. The twenty fifth of July, and we're going into the Pro Board in town to meet with the Pro Board face to face for the first time ever. It's a new way, a new way of doing things since last year. The new, uh, new conditions have came in. You can actually go in front of the Pro Board and make your case as a victim to keep mortars um, like Brian Kenny and Thomas Henson locked up. How are you feeling? Um, pretty the last probably since yesterday, I just feel like it's probably going to sound like a bit, I don't know, but I feel like crying. I don't know why, Like I just feel very really emotional. I don't know whether it's because um, for, all, for all these years it's just been, you just write a letter and send it. It's just kind of a formal thing, you, you send a letter, tell them how you're feeling then just pray. They're I walk out, and they don't get pro. But this time, they're going to go in and sit in front of these people. And I, I think it's going to be more intimate and more, I think it's going to be upsetting. I'm probably very emotional. Yeah, I'm anxious and but I'd like to sit here and say I'm not, but as I said, I woke up yesterday morning shouting it's the 25th of July, because I thought it was that's panic that's been on my mind and me sleep people. Like, um yeah it's, it's it's the unknown it's going into the unknown obviously you want to get the right result you want to make sure they keep Brian Kenny in prison for uh, as long as possible. Without sounding cocky I think we kinda have we kinda have one, one um one up in that sense because he got himself caught with cocaine and opiates in the open prison when he was given the opportunity. He was nearly released. So that showed 19 years later his mindset hadn't changed because yeah, uh, I was still trying to deal drugs from an open prison and since then he's been moved back to We Field, a secure prison. So that's the only positive going into today You kind of feel like you have that little bit of to say, well, he done it himself. he gets the transcripts, they call it now, because I'm going into them of what I say. Mm. So that's that's scary because it's like that piece of paper, it's like the paper here that I have that, that I walked on to fill the board, what I'm going to say, and my mom what she's going to say, and etc. But I'm after touching that piece of paper. And the thought of that going, because it will be, it'll either be photocopied or I don't want his hands touching the same piece of paper I touched. I don't want him touching anything. I don't want him touching me. I don't want anything like that. But there's nothing I can do. That's the rules. The rules are he gets to read and gets to listen to everything he wants to. not everything he wants to. But everything about the parole. So once it doesn't affect the security of myself and the family, and that's the that's the important thing here. It's not as as simple as it would be um, for a normal person. They could go in. Everybody knows the situation. They they know where the the victim lives and where mine is. I, I can't put everything into the letters. I can't put everything into I can't go in there and just sit there and could be completely one hundred percent and say this is where I am and this is how I live and because I'm afraid of him finding out and then the result nothing that really is either death, oh, death, yeah, or trouble and I don't want either. I just want to. I want him to stay in prison and there's people that have done less done less than him that spent thirty years in prison. He's only done 19, we shouldn't even be going. we shouldn't be doing this because we're sick of it, I'm sick of it, I'm trying to get out of my life, I'm trying to live, I'm trying to, yeah it's, it's something I don't want to be involved with anymore, him and this, I feel like it keeps dragging me back but if I don't stand up and fight him I don't know who will, if, if I don't stand up to keep him in there I don't know who else is going to do it, it's not something I like doing. I need to put it out there. I need people to know what's going on. And I need people to be aware of what Brian Kenny is and what he's a And the danger he is to me, and my family, and society in general. Because, mark my words, if he gets to, he won't only be my problem, he'll be society's problem. So. Hopefully, me talking to these people in the Bro Board. It's enough, and it's such an impact that they, they keep them locked up. Going there in person, I think it'd be more powerful. I think it'd be more, a bit more personal, and they'll get to see my face, they'll get to talk to me, they'll get to ask me any questions they want. My mask coming with me, and we'll do it together, and we'll go in and we'll do the. We will do the best we can. Like it's, it's, it's not a performance. I'm not going to do it to perform. Like or anything. I'm just going to tell the truth. And it's worked out so far telling the truth. So let's keep telling it. To me, it's going in here today and getting the job done, and doing everything I can possible to keep him locked up. I really don't know what's going to happen. It is the know. I just hope, hopefully, it works out in here. Their best interests and uh they got me kids to think about. It's not just me now. They're not babies anymore, so Security. But I hope with all today. Definitely feeling a bit emotional and a bit anxious, but I'm sure I'll be alright. I've, I've been through worse, that's well, I look at. It. But um Yeah, he should be on the street so about they them, you know, often. them. I guess we should get ready. and get dressed.
1: What time is the name, Marie?
0: 10.43. You have to stop meeting like this year. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get the bus in. I'm not I just said, "Oh, here I go to drive in. I know around, and I knew where I could park." So I said, "To hell with I'll find somewhere." around. Yeah. So that's why I came in early. Um, and um, I just not Look around, Penny. You know yourself. Yeah. The you, sure? usual. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah, yeah, here he is. So he needs his water after his medication. Sorry.
2: You milk it. So driving taking me tablets in the morning. You all set? Yeah, I'm there. Was an anxious? My mouth is jungler, but... Um,
0: yeah, well, you just explain us, to them when you go in that your medication. Yeah. yeah, but
2: they're used to
0: people being anxious. like Yeah, it's yeah. A, but it, no, his mouth.
2: I, I know, yeah, but yeah. they're, they're used to so that. They're used to it, yeah. Have you got your... I have the yeah, paper, I have the paper, we have everything. Yeah, okay, right, let's ready? go. All right. Okay. Okay. See you when we have you. The Thank look. you, cheers Bye. to you. Bye. Thanks so much. I'm here to voice the strongest possible objections to this parole application by Brian Kenny. My name is Joseph Callahan, and I was the chief witness in Brian Kenny's murder trial. I was 19 when I gave evidence against him, and I did that after years of psychological, physical, sexual abuse by him. I'm 28 years of age now, but despite counselling, psychiatric help, and the passage of time, I remain terrified of Brian Kenny and what I believe he has planned for me and members of my family of his relief from prison. He was convicted of murder, Jonathan O'Reilly, who was shot dead in 2004 and threatened to kill me, a threat that, rem- that remains very much active to this day. I have received three official guard orders that my life is in danger since the parole hearing in 2020, at which point he was moved to Lachlan House Open prison. The fourth gym form was saved to me, in April 2020, the second threat to life to me I received was February 2021. I understand this was a direct result of the possible release of Brian Kenny from prison. While no GIM form names or details where the threat is coming from, I remain a detective person because of the risk to my life posed by Brian Kenny. He has killed before, and I'm under no illusion, but he will try to kill me as soon as he is set free. The third GIM I received in recent years was October 2022, eight months after Brian Kenny was caught with cocaine and opiates at Loughlin House Prison and was moved back to Weefield, This is an example that the man hasn't changed after 19 years, and he is of the same mindset. In 2014, I made a series of statements to Gardaí about the rapes and sexual assaults that I was subjected to by Brian Kenny. I made those complaints after a huge amount of counselling. My understanding is that Brian Kenny was questioned at the time in prison. But refused to answer any questions or cooperate with investigators. I also understand he didn't deny any of the claims. In January 2016, I began a year-long residential treatment program at the Priory Clinic in Wales, which was paid for by the Irish state as a direct result of the trauma I suffered at the hands of Brian Kenny and later my time at the Witness Protection Programme. The focus of that intense therapy was my anxiety phrase around Brian Kenny and the possibility of him being freed from prison. At that point, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, which was directly linked to an incident I witnessed as a child when Brian Kenny attacked a young boy with a hammer. In September 2020, I released a book about my life called The Witness, and a year later, a podcast called The Witness in His Own Words. This is a huge achievement for me and has become a part of my healing process. In it, I described the details of how Brian Kenney groomed me as a child when he offered me a job on his milk float. I detailed how I innocently looked up to him and saw him as a role model, but instead he won my trust and that of my family and began forcing me to, to deliver and sell drugs for him. I was terrified of Brian Kenny and remain in constant fear of him today. He, he beat me regularly by the time I was a teenager. He was sexually assaulting me and raping me on a regular basis. He used and abused me at the same time, schooling me in robbery and wholesale drug dealing. When he and Thomas Henson murdered Jonathan Roy in 2004, they asked me to hide the gun. Gunned their clothes and threatened to kill me and my family if I ever bred a word of what they did. But I managed to escape. I went to the guardian and I told them what I knew. My actions have haunted me ever since. Not a day goes by that I don't dread the moment Kenny is free in prison. As the years have passed, I've received a huge amount of therapy in order to come to live with the level of fear I have of Brian Kenny. As a result, I have a solid understanding of how he grew on me and how dangerous he was and continues to be. I live under a new identity and in, and in a constant fear of the day he is released from prison. And I don't know 100% that he will truly try to murder me and silence me. I beg you with all my heart not to set him free and see what it's right he remains to, me, to my well-being and indeed the well-being and safety of my family. Ron Kenney has never admitted what he has done or shown any remorse. He has done nothing but continue to terrorise me from behind bars. And I pray you do the right thing today, on a few of his parole, Joseph O'Callaghan.
1: So, you are in
2: there a good while. How did you get on? I was so nervous going in really nervous I, I, I don't I think the last time I was that nervous was given evidence I don't think I've ever been that nervous job interviews I've done since nothing like that it was really I don't know what the word is when we walked in and when I walked yeah, when we walked in it was just real two people were standing there and they kind of nodded we nodded back went over and I thought they were the people but one of them was and one of them wasn't and they brought us up to the room, and then just felt real formal. I don't know. It was real uncomfortable, at first. And then um, they done housekeeping, a bit of housekeeping, and said, "What? How are you going to walk? What we we're going to, what they were going to say, and what we could say, and what we couldn't say." I read a statement out that we'd done like, that I read the statement out, and my ma read more statement out, and then they asked us questions. It was such a it was such a weird feeling because you kind of felt like, for once, you were actually being heard and listened to. And I know when Dolores done it, she did tell me that's how she felt as well. But I suppose you have to be there to see it yourself. Like, there were three people in front of us, and uh, I think at least at least two of them definitely shed a tear, like, and it was just from telling, telling t- my story, and that was it. And I explained to them about Brian Kenny and how he needs to stay where he is. They were very human, like we were very down to earth and I think they were more shocked. <laughs> they were very shocked. Very blown away. Felt like I felt like saying sorry for upsetting you. I think I did, did I? I think I did. I think I said I'm, I'm sorry, like you just want me to stop. Like but I didn't know what else to do. Like they were saying, Will you please tell us? So I told them and um I wasn't going in there looking for prayer. they was going in there to keep Brian Kenny in jail. And fingers crossed, that's what we've done.
0: We were made feel very, very welcome um, and uh, within uh, five minutes of us being uh, in the room we were totally at ease and um, it was amazing the fact that we actually got to sit across the table from from these people um, and they could actually see our, you know, facial re- reactions and um, how we felt they listened and they never took their eyes off us when we were speaking you you know they were like totally evolved around everything you know I said Joseph said as they said to us you know people go in there with mixed emotions and some can be you know kind of agitated and then others can be sad and reserved and I think in our case it's come to a stage that we've been fighting for all these years. It kind of makes you numb. The numbness comes with the fear and the waiting and the not knowing, is this going to go forward? And you know, is he going to get this parole or is he going to be kept behind bars? And my worry is about Joseph and my family and my grandchildren and you know, I've lived my life but it's
2: their future. Well, my case and Brian Kenny, it's never-ending for me, and it seems to have been never ended. Since, since today I gave evidence, and they, they said we've taken that on board and we see that today, that this has not stopped for you. Like It's every couple of years, like you have a break, and then he applies the next year, and he keeps pl- applying for pro, applying for pro. So uh, that meant a lot. They could see that this has never stopped for us and it may never stop. But if we know we're gonna stay there for another four or five years, that's a peace we need and a break we need.
0: All he's done is made us stronger over the years. That's all he has done is made us stronger and stronger. And every time he comes at us, we'll hit back. Um, I'm just so grateful that we got to sit in front of the parole people today. Now we know we've been heard.
2: They asked me, what was I, scared? I said, yeah, I'm terrified. I don't want it to do I said. I want to live, like... I just told them, I was straight, my fate really is in your
1: hands.
2: I feel I felt heard for the first time. And I don't mean that... I'm The podcast, I mean, the whole country of supporters, and it's been amazing, but by an actual state body. Like, I explained to them, I went to the Dáil and I met the, the minister there and then to go there and to actually have people in power that can make decisions that can help me have a better life, help my family have a better life and help the public and other people that been affected by Kenny and what and who could who could also be affected when he gets out of prison. Like, yeah, definitely felt here, and it was an amazing opportunity and I wouldn't like to do it again all the time but I'm glad I've done it. Yeah, I'm glad I've done it. And I hope that I've done enough. I can do now I was praying we The Witness,
1: in his own words, is produced and edited by Ian Malini. The executive producers are Jane Gogan and Nicola Tallent. If you wish to contact the producers at this podcast, you can do so by emailing info at thewitnesspodcast.com.